Hi, everybody, and welcome to That's Life, the show where we are leaving on a jet plane and we don't know when we'll be back again. Just kidding, Stephen. Good afternoon, folks, and thanks for listening. I am Miriam L. Wallach, blogger, writer, and general manager here at the Nahum Siegel Network. You can find me here every Thursday at 2 p.m. as I hope to bring you a little entertainment, a little news, and a little relief that the life you are leading is not nearly as wacky as mine. If I sound a little giddy, what, what just happened? I can't hear myself. I understand I am continuing to roll. Thank you very much. Uh, if I sound a little bit giddy, that's because I am. We will be leaving, please God, to Israel Monday morning. Monday, oh, sorry, Monday early afternoon after a phenomenal show at JFK. Monday morning for Nefesh Benefesh. The, um, there is not there there aren't enough words in the English in the English language to really capture just how excited we are about all of the programming next week. But there's something about being able to get on that flight with all of those Olim who are making the most exciting and major decision of their lives. Um, we'll be very excited to be on the flight with them, and very very sad when we have to return to New York at the end of the week. Coming to you from the home of the Nakam Siegel Network on the beautiful Lower East Side, I'm joined by David, who is engineering me here. This afternoon, what's going on, David? It's going well. Yeah, I can't Bye. hear myself very well. i got to be honest. Let's make that louder. I know it bothers you, but I have to be able to hear. That's much better. That is much better. If you're a new listener to the show, thanks for taking a break from your day to tune in. If you're a returning listener, thanks as always for making us part of your day. If Miriam L. Wallach once a week is just not enough for you, do what Joey Bodner does. Friend me on Facebook. Send me an invite on LinkedIn. You can also shoot me an email, miriam at nachamsegel.com. I will not respond to you during the show. I'm not being rude. Still, just being honest, but I will get back to you afterwards. Please also follow us on Twitter, nachamsegelnet, all one word. And by the way, especially next week, I'm going to be tweeting up to Ying Yang from Israel, all the different things that are going on, plus every picture that I can. You won't want to miss a bit. Let's go to our favorite segment. I'm telling you, people, I'm giving you two weeks for somebody to flood this office with fortune cookies. Where are my loyal listeners? This is my last whole fortune cookie. I mean, do you want it on your head that this segment ends? No, Miriam, I'm just being, I'm clearly just being dramatic, you know, whatever. But um, I'm, I'm thinking that it's time for a new batch. I would love for someone to send us fortune cookies. Please, I'm begging you. It's easier to have you do it than for me to eat a 1,000 calories worth of Chinese food just so I can get more fortune cookies. Here we go. Here we go. Stay in touch above all with how you feel. All right, that's very nice. It's very nice. It's a little something, a little bland. I was hoping for my first fortune cookie in Elul to be a little bit deeper, but that's okay because the human fortune cookie himself, Charlie Harari, will be joining us in a couple minutes. Um, he is uh, hes joining us actually for the full hour. I'm very excited. We're looking forward to having him on. He'll be joining us by phone because we could probably play a game called Where in the World is Charlie Harari. There is never... There, there is never, I never have a clue. There is no way to know where Charlie is going to be next. He's constantly popping up in different places, speaking in different, um, in different neighborhoods, different countries. It's, it's pretty amazing. He is, he is a wonder. That is for sure. Let's take care of some business. Here are today's national holidays. Uh, this week, by the way, it is exercise with your child week. I do feel like I've announced that before. But you really should not need a national week or a national celebration to exercise with your children. It's also National Fraud Awareness Week. So whoever keeps calling here on Line 5, I'd really appreciate if you'd stop. I don't know who you are, but it's really annoying, and we don't take calls on that line. Also, it's National Bargain Hunting Week. And I believe that that is true because of the transition of seasons. So if you're looking for those back-to-school specials, 
They've already started. Actually, they started a couple weeks ago at Target. Gave me a little bit of heart failure. I gotta, I gotta be honest. But there are bargains to be had out there. That's for sure. It's also tomorrow, guys. It's the last day of National Psychic Week. That's right. Had I known, but I'm bummed. Yeah, you can insert all the bad jokes here. I've already made them. I gotta be honest. I've already made them. But, uh, yeah, do whatever you need to for National Psychic Week. I don't know. Play some kind of trick on somebody. I'm going to pretend to be clairvoyant a little bit later. You should know, David, that I had a student one year who decided that he um, could, that he had the powers of telekinesis. I promise you, as an eighth grade boy, I used to put things on my desk and stare at them really, 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 really hard and then say to me, did you see? It moved. <laughs> and I'd look at him and go, no, it didn't. He goes, ah, you weren't watching. I moved it with my mind. Anyway, so I'm sure that now that he's in high school, um, or even in college, he probably thinks he's a psychic at this point. Uh, National Hobo Week ends this week, and Elvis Week begins on the 10th. Not sure how we're going to celebrate it, but I'm sure we will figure it out. Today is Happiness Happens Day. August 8th is Happiness Happens Day, which I think is very sweet. It's also Odie Day for those of you who are Garfield fans. I don't know if there are three Garfield fans in the world, but if there are, you're celebrating today. And it is sneak some zucchini onto your neighbor's porch night. Um, I don't know. That a little bit makes me feel like they're encouraging you to be a stalker. But you might instead just want to hand your neighbor some zucchini at their front door. But that's just me. We are continuing the hashtag segment. Hashtag this week and is going to continue through next week. That's for sure is NBN Live. That's the pound sign NBN Live. I will be hashtagging as many pictures and different things as I can next week. The excitement is the excitement is palpable. The excitement is palpable. And for those of you who have not watched the um, the video from last month's charter flight to Israel, if you want to get a glimpse into what I'm going to be experiencing, watch that and make sure there's a box of tissues near you. And by the way, you know who you are when you get up at one o'clock in the morning to watch the live programming. From Ben Gurion. That'll be you on Monday night slash Tuesday morning watching everything that goes on as the Olim come off the plane. I mean, I've watched the video at one o'clock in the morning. I know many of you have watched it also. Don't miss it next week. So Crazy follows me everywhere. I haven't been able to tell a segment, a little funny story in a little while. We do have Charlie Harari on hold, so I don't want it to take too long. But last week, last Sunday, we went to Philly for the day. It's actually only two hours away from New York. It took me a yoival to get home, but it took no time to get there. Anyway, it was a beautiful, beautiful day. And we went to Independence Hall. We went to the Broken Bell, as my kids kept calling it, instead of the Liberty Bell. Fine, fine, fine. Get over it. Anyway, we are at Independence Hall, and there is, as to be imagined, an enormous American flag hanging, I don't know how many stories up. And my youngest, my little girl, who is in nursery, stopped, put her hand over her heart, and said the Pledge of Allegiance. <laughs> but wait, it gets better. She then put her hand back down by her side and sang God Bless America. <laughs> she sang every word to God Bless America with her hands behind her back, held together like she was on stage. And I, everyone kept on saying to me afterwards, after I, when I told my husband, he's like, you didn't video it? I'm like, I was paralyzed. I didn't know what to do. Anyway, there were about 10 people standing around her, realized what was going on, this cute little kid, this nursery kid singing God Bless America. And they clapped for her when she was done. And she really, she knew every word. It was, it was very, very sweet. So somebody said to me afterwards, 
how does your, uh, you know, your little kid, and I do mean my youngest, know all the words to God Bless America? I said, really, it's two things. Number one, they sing it in school for, you know, nat- for when we come for the Hanukkah party and this, and you're doing the Hatikva and you're doing God Bless America. So they do that. I said, and also, we go to a lot, a lot of baseball games. That's how she learned it. Anyway, you're listening to That's Life here on the Nachum Siegel Network. I am thrilled to introduce my first my one and only guest for this entire episode, Charlie Harari, is a man who needs no introduction. Charlie, are you there? I am here, Mary. How are you? <laughs> I, am, I am very excited to have you on, and I joked in my intro that we could play a game called Where in the World is Charlie Harari? And, <laughs> and the truth of the matter is, is I don't want you to tell anybody where you are, because I think it adds a little bit of mystery. There you go. There you go. But I love the broken bell thing. That I was cracking up listening to it. <laughs> the whole the whole time they're like, "Why are we looking at a broken bell?" I'm like, "Focus, people." But uh, and and then it was like it threw them off a little bit that there were you know a couple hundred other people waiting to look at the broken bell. So uh, so it was really sweet. But actually, Charlie, there's so much going on in your life. You've had a very 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 busy slash exciting summer. Tell our listeners because you've been on hiatus. From Book of Life, tell everybody where, like, you know, top couple of places where you've been over the last couple of weeks. Um, uh, that's a good question. I mean, summertime is a time where I try to slow down a little bit. Um, we, I did go to Mar- Camp Marasha, which was amazing. Um, the the camp was just 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 wonderful, wonderful. Um, I've been to you know different places right before the summer. Um, I was in Vancouver for a little bit. Um, uh, Panama, Mexico, which is beautiful down in Mexico. Mm. Um, Los Angeles, um, around the New York area a little bit. And this is um, this is you slowing down? No, this is by the summer. It was already this past few weeks. I've mostly been, except for a trip down to Buford, Georgia. For the most part, I've been uh, in July in New York. Buford, Georgia. Oh yeah, Buford, Georgia. <laughs> Great place to be. Um, you know, there are 17 one-liners I have coming in my head right now. I got to be honest with you. <laughs> but tell me, tell me what you were doing there. I actually was speaking and meeting with um, people from different faiths. They had like a conference for um, you know evangelicals and Baptists, and they invited me to come and present and speak about uh, you know as sort of represent uh, Judaism there. So it was a lot of fun. What is it about your message or the message that you bring that 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 people from Buford, Georgia, want to bring you down? Um, you know, it, it. I wish. I mean, it, it's all from God. Whatever I have is really just from Him. Um, I really believe in my heart that each and every one of us contains within us this amazing resource that enables us to have an amazing life. Most people don't have an amazing life. They don't I mean they have it. They don't think they have it, and they go through life really on, on battery power at best. And when you speak with them and you ask them how life is going, it's just it's never great. And you know this is what the book of life is really all about. It's 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 a it's a chaval. It's sad because right. it's like you know if, if you know if dad buys you a Maserati, you know you can't drive it 20 miles an hour and fetch the whole time. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, you got to take it for a spin. Right. And. God hands us basically a Maserati. The, the, what our mind can do is beyond comprehension, and that's what I'm teaching in, 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 a, in Stern this semester. And what our, our soul has is a connection literally to the infinite, and we're literally living in a world where we are relating to, to the divine every second. It's like you're in the ultimate video game. And a lot of it is just based on our perspective. 
And once you shift that perspective, you realize what's possible for your life. That's the Jewish message, but that's not just a Jewish message. It's a universal message. And what's, what I find so exciting about Judaism is that Judaism at the core, was, or Jews, to say better, at their core, are meant to deliver this message to the world. We're meant to be the people to tell the world just how powerful we are, just how much God loves us, just what's possible for our lives, which is what the Torah really is all about. It's, it's justice, it's greatness, it's pushing past what you think is possible and not falling to a desire, but holding yourself to a higher esteem. And I think that's a message that rings true in the American in society and also in a faith-based society as well, that you know, this is the type of life we can have, and you know, why not be us to, to sort of share that? I, I, I hear that, and I, and I think that I think that you're right. We we are definitely the ones to spread that message, and we're we're definitely the ones to bring that message to other faiths. I wonder then how we look at the at the entire A Rod scandal, which is one of the reasons I should I should let our listeners know that I asked you to come on in the first place because there was something about A Rod and his suspension and the appealing of the suspension and the consequences for the other players, and Elul, that just all hit like a perfect storm. <laughs> I, I, there's no, I mean, it really, for lack of a better word, I mean, I don't want to read too much into this, even though you may say to me, no, I think you're on the right track. There was something completely divine about the, the way this all went about this week. You know, it's amazing, Miriam, is that, uh, A-Rod is bittersweet for me because I'm a huge Yankee fan. Right. And, you know, it's like it's like cognitive dissonance to think that <laughs> if you're wearing pinstripes, you can do anything wrong. Right. And I'm trying to figure out a place that I can sort of, you know, justify this. But, you know, it's, when you, you know, when you ask me to come on the show, and I'm honored to be on your show, and I love the stuff you do, and, and I'm really, it's, it's, true, it's a true honor to be able to, to speak with your listeners. I was trying to draw the connection myself. And it hit me like literally like a ton of bricks, how in line it is. It is literally the yellow message. Right. I mean, literally. Because here's what I, what I take from it, and I thank you for, for directing me there, which is what did A-Rod do wrong? Hmm. At the end of the day, what was his sin? Remember, the concept of sin in Judaism is mistaken. We think that hate is a sin. It's not. Hate, in the Hebrew word hate means to miss, to miss one's mark. Right when you shoot an arrow and you miss the 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 the, the, the target, when you when you the, the word hate means you came but you missed. So a hate is a a refocus. You, you were close, but no, nah, that's not what I'm talking about. I, you're you're off. Right. Sin isn't like there's like a book of things we can do and we just check them off. If we don't check enough, then we sin. That's not really how it works. The way it works is that we're supposed to be somebody. We're supposed to be something, and any time we move from that mark. Anytime we lose our true self, the manifestation is hate. Hmm. And so it comes off that way. When you stand in front of Rosh Hashanah, people think that they get to Rosh Hashanah Kippur, and it's like, here's the deal. I want stuff, you want stuff, God, right? <laughs> I want health, happiness, and some money, and extra money wouldn't kill you. You want me to, like, you know, say Hebrew words, you know, wear certain clothes, whatever it is, like, right. eat foods, I'm yours. Sorry I miss minions. Sorry I didn't wear this thing. Sorry. You, we, we good now? Like, am I okay on my mortgage application? Can I get the money now? That's how it works. Like, <laughs> as if, like, I was like, oh, please, because, you know, I've got, I've got, right, because I've been missing, right, I've been 
play, missing right? what you want to give me. Right. Exactly. Like, right. I'm up here going, like, oh, my God, like, it's 8 o'clock in the morning. Like, where is Charlie? Why is he still sleeping? Like, how am I going to start my day? I'm only, I'm, you know, omnipotent. Like, I'm saying, like, right. it's not, what is it? What it is is God saying, you have potential. You do. And I'm telling you, because I run this place, these are the things that's going to take you from your potential. They will. You think they won't because you're a kid, but it's okay. I'm God. Trust me. Stick with me on this one. If you do certain things or don't do you can grow. Hmm. If you miss the mark, if you missed it, you're off. Okay. The goal is to stand in front of God and go, wait a second. Did I become the person here that I could be? If it's no, then I have quote-unquote sinned, even though that's, that's a Christian word, it's not a Jewish word. So where sin. did A-Rod miss his mark? I guess there are going to be plenty of people out there who are going to saying that, that, the, that, the, that the moment in which he started taking the performance-enhancing drugs were the moment that he missed his mark. But I think that you and I would argue differently. So I think that the A-Rod's, pro- A-Rod's problem started earlier. Now, A-Rod, this is, when, when you look at the A-Rod scandal right now, you're looking at the last act of a long, long, long drama. This is, he's <laughs> drama is the Drama is the best word, by the way. In this case, you are 100% right. There is no right. other way to quantify A-Rod's story except calling it a drama. Exactly. And remember, yeah. he's 38. Right. He's the end of his career. The reason why, what's happening right now, the reason for the appeal is because he has $34 million on the line in contracts that if he gets knocked out because he loses, he's 38. This is his career. It's over. So this is not no – one, no one should look at the A-Rod scandal and say, oh, my God, this is so unfortunate it happened at 38. You have to take a step back and look at A-Rod. And once you look at A-Rod as a person, you'll understand that he went wrong right after he came out of high school. Mm. Now, when A-Rod came out of high school... Did you read that article yesterday? I'm sorry to interrupt. Did you read that article, not yesterday, two days ago, um, in the New York Times by David Brooks? It, he hit it. Oh, that's my... Right? By the that's way, it. and that's what made me That's what made me text you. It was that. It. it was that article called The A-Rod Problem. For those people... I'm sorry to interrupt, Charlie. For those people who did not read the article, you can go back on the opinion pages of the New York Times and read. It's called The A-Rod Problem by David Brooks. And, Charlie, you are 100% right. Right. Brooks nailed it. Yep. What, 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 for those that are listening, for, for what, what David Brooks identified was when A-Rod came out of high school, he was a superstar. He batted over 500 in high school. Right. Everywhere he went, he had a barrage of scouts following him. And what happened was when he came out, he signed Scott Boras, who was like this super agent, to be his guy. And he basically shifted A-Rod from being a player to being an entity. Hmm. Now, those are two separate things to be. When you see yourself, this is, by the way, what LeBron happened to LeBron. But he, LeBron has, has been correcting himself since. But LeBron came out also the same way as A-Rod, the man, everyone following him, the legend. He shows up in Cleveland, and he calls himself an entity. He's LeBron, and he has a whole team around him. <laughs> and guess what? With all that, like, pomp and power, he sits at the table and goes, I'm taking my town to South Beach. And for the next three, even now, the whole world hates him. Right. And he's right. coming back from it because he realizes how dumb that was. But what happens to some of these players, and I think this is what happens to each and every one of us, is that there's a shift that happens in one's life. It happens to us at the very beginning around seven, eight years old. You know, when you're three years old, I, I, I do this speech a lot. My favorite age is three-year-olds. Why? Because they're unstoppable. Hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Three-year-old sure. in the house? Get sure. It. 
when you give a three-year-old a cookie, you know, you, they stick out one hand, and you look at them, and then they have the other hand sticking out, and you're like, one per customer. She looks at you and goes, I'm going to keep my hand out for the rest of my life. Until you, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Like, Absolutely. You, know, you, ever, you ever get into a three-year-old that gives you a look like, I'm going to fight you until I fall asleep or die. Whatever right. comes first, but I'm never giving up. And you look at his eyes, those three-year-old little eyes, and you're like, whatever, it's not worth it. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> they always win. You can have 50 people over for Pesach Seder. That three-year-old's in a bad mood. The whole place is tense. They're killing each other. They're griping. The kid falls asleep on the couch. And everyone's like, I don't know what happened, but I'm in a better mood. Why do I you know feel like saying? you're? Why do I feel like you've been living in my house? I'm telling you, this is because three-year-olds dominate humanity. That's how it works. They're the ones. One, they're the ones who sing "God Bless America" and have ten people clapping around them. Exactly. There you That's go. How, now, what happens? What happens to a three-year-old? You take this kid, and they're a ball of power. How come when they turn 15, 16 years old, they can't get out of bed? How come when they're 28 years old, you how's your life doing? You're like, oh, okay. But at three years old, you didn't know anything. You were, you, you, the world was your oyster. Ten years later, now you got knowledge, you got some more money, you maybe have a car, whatever, and you're like, how are you blown out? Hmm. So what happens along the way is, is, an, is an introduction of a new being that comes into your life. Around seven, eight years old, something happens. It happens to you all, this happens literally regularly. Seven years old, wintertime, my, my kid comes in the door. They're about to leave. I'm sorry. They're about to leave to, to go on, on the bus, right? My girls, my boys, whatever it is. Girls are a little earlier than boys. On the way out, I go, honey. And they go, yes, daddy. I said, you forgot your hat. They go, oh, no, we're not taking the hat. I said, but it's cold. <laughs> like, yeah, I know we're not wearing the hat. But I'm like, but it's cold. They're like, yeah, we know. But if we wear the hat, we're going to look like a geek. Right. And I'm like, but, but it's cold. And that seven-year-old little mind looks at me and says, I got it. I know, but I'm willing to sacrifice my well-being to not get on that bus and look bad. They introduce an image. Hmm. And when you're working, either you're working for yourself like a three-year-old, you do what's right, you live your life, you live to the fullest, you fail, you succeed, you laugh, you cry, it's you. Or when you're eight or nine and then high school comes and forget that, it's not you anymore. It's not what you think. It's not your growth. It's what they think of you. Mm. You laugh, but not too loud because you're going to look like a geek the way your laugh is. I want to do this. And that's when the concept of too cool comes in, right? Because too cool is basically means I'm not risking my reputation for that. used to be that you were on fire. Now you're too cool. And then you get high school, and then forget about that. And then life goes on, and you choose my personal greatness or what the world thinks of me. But the problem is that the world doesn't know you the way you know you. And as soon as you make the choice that your image is more important than yourself, you're working for the boss that never relents. Mm. And you're exhausted all the time. And you don't know which way is up because you haven't worked for your passion in years. So your job just stinks. And you, you, you don't have the energy. You ever, like, watch a three-year-old get up in the morning? You know what I'm talking about? They're, like, so excited, right? right? right. It's, like, 5 a.m. They're, like, I'm up. Right. right. We get up in the morning. It's like we're breaking up with our beds. You know what I'm talking <laughs> about? You, you turn to the bed. You're, like, I'm so sorry. Right. I miss you so much. Right. You know we, don't, like, we don't spend enough time together. Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like, you ever, like, the whole concept of an alarm system. You ever think this alarm clock is built to be temporarily broken? You ever wonder, like, you it's five six thirty is wake up, right? And it and then it goes off, and it's built for you to say, "Nah, I know I'm supposed to get up, but I'm not." Click snooze because why? Because when they get up, they're alive. When we get up, we're working. We're in many ways working for somebody else. When A Rod shows up, 
what makes sports so much fun is that it is a, a, it's, sports is never about other people. It's always about the best you. The best athletes, the reason why Kobe Bryant right now, if you're following the Kobe Bryant story, the reason why Kobe Bryant right now is three months ahead of any possible rehab schedule. He's, he is, he was, he, you know, he had an injury over the, over, right. over the offseason. He's like, the reason why he is ahead of us, because it's not about anybody else. Kobe said, I need to be better for me. This is about me. I want, I love basketball so much. Mm-hmm. Nothing is stopping me. The minute A-Rod decided that Baseball. It's going to be about his image. Right. He's a corporate entity. He sold out. Exactly. It stops being about his best time, his best swing, his best you know workout in the gym. Now it's about his contract, his agent, his marketing team. Now it's about how his entity performs. And so when he's looking around, going, "How's my entity can perform? Should I cheat? Whatever. I, I have to fulfill my image." whatever it takes. There was something about his at-bat on Monday when he was constantly booed by everyone in the stands and then the All-Star game when Mariano was left out on the mound by himself and everyone went back to the dugout so that the entire world could give him a standing ovation in his last year. I mean, the fact that these two men play for the same team just throws me for a complete loop. And trust me, I know that there are Yankee haters out there who are sitting there going, ah, it's because the Yankees in general have sold out. They have... You know, the, the the biggest incomes in the world are made by people on those teams, are brought in by people on those teams. And I, I want to put that all aside for now, and all the Met lovers can put that aside as well. There is something about the juxtaposition of those two men being completely different players, entities, and, and frankly men, that it, 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 it bears commenting on, it bears noticing. Because you have a guy who, at 38 years old, forget that he's not going to be in the Hall of Fame. Forget that he's not even going to be in the Hall of Fame with an asterisk. I don't even know what he's going to do after this, besides Coach Little League. And who knows if that's going to happen. But he's not going to be a commentator. He's not going to be a face of anything. He's going to lose all his contracts. And so be it. That's what you get. And not to be petty, but that's life. And then you have a guy like Mo, who if we could clone him, we would. Yeah, and it, it's, the, it's a story. And, if you, and it's funny because the New York Times did a piece on him, I think, two, three years ago, that the, Mariano Rivera, in many ways, is the, is the opposite of A-Rod, meaning he's the guy that shows up. And if you follow his life, his career, his whole life is about trying to perfect one pitch. Mm. He's not trying to be the man. He's not try- He doesn't like date Madonna, do some like little Kabbalahs, like right. that's good for your PR, and like somehow, <laughs> like, it, it, like you don't know who he's dating. Nothing about him. Right. He just gets on a mound and says, "Here's the story. This is my craft. This right. is what I do. This is, this my, is my purpose. Right. I want to throw the best possible pitch that I possibly. And I don't have to do it a hundred times in a game. I just need like nine right. at most. Right." Like, and you know what's amazing to me? The Mariano story, the re- I was always a Mariano fan, obviously. But when the Yankees lost to the Diamondbacks, if you remember that series, sure, it was a very hard series for me, mostly because Mariano lost it. Right. And Mariano, to any Yankee fan, is just over. Just get to Mariano and you win. Right. But what really got me was that when they did the interview of Mariano after the series, and he just shrugged it off. And they're like, what? He's like, it's pitch. It's a game. Like, you try your best. Like, what, what, what's wrong with you people? Like, I'm trying to pitch the best that I can. Sometimes they hit it. Sometimes they don't. I'm going to try better next time. But, like, still, like, look back and, like, 
worry about how I pitched six months ago? Like, he's looking at the reporter going, what are you talking about? And the reporter's like, what? how could you sleep? You, you gave up a World Series. Like, how could you survive? Why aren't you killing yourself? And he's looking like, what? Like, yeah, right. I remember, were you there? <laughs> I got on a mound. <laughs> I tried my hardest. Right. It didn't go my way. Like, what happens next? Like, don't we just move on and be better? Right. And, like, I'm, I'm looking and going, is, is really? Because that's the way it's supposed to be because when it's not about your image – and it's not about what the papers say about Correct. you. It's not about how many people come to your press conferences. It's about doing your personal best. Yeah, you shrug off the losses. You work for the wins. And you know what? If you're not going to win every time, but you do it the right way, I don't know. Isn't that what success really is about? Well, I guess. I think, yeah. Keep going. I'm sorry. And I think that's what everybody saw in Mariano. I think that's why they love him so much because he's like – he, that's that's who he is. Right. He, he he never you know there's no fanfare around him. He just gets up, does his job, goes home, and he's so good at that one job that I think everyone else is envious of him. Mm. His focus, his, his calm, his ability to get on a mound in such high pressure situations and shrug it off like he's playing in the backyard with his kids. And I think no matter what team you're on, no matter where you are. That, though he embodies something, what sports is supposed to be about. And it may be like under like one layer. No one's like, you know, I don't know if people are saying these things, but to me, he represents that so everyone respects him for it. Mm. You're listening to That's Life here on the Nachum Siegel Network. I'm Miriam Wallach. I'm joined by Charlie Harari. We are discussing not only A-Rod, even though we could talk about A-Rod on his own, but A-Rod in connection with Elul which to many people, without thinking about it, would be two completely diametrically opposed topics, but yet have much more to do with each other than people would have otherwise realized. And bringing in the conversation about Mariano talks about where we should be in terms of our levels of success as being true instead of being the sellout, instead of being who everyone else wants us to be. It's a very, very interesting concept and something – to keep in mind, obviously, in Elul, when we're trying to be the most true we are to ourselves and to God and to being that person that that works from the inspiration, that has success because they are inspired, as opposed to the person who has success because it has been contrived. And I think that that also speaks to um, a book that, that you and I have discussed you have finished it, and I'm sure are a Talmud Muvhuk at this point of this book. But the book is called Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell, in which in which Gladwell discusses the elements of success, how much of it is talent, how much of it is training, how much of it is just circumstances. And so I wonder, when we look at a guy like A-Rod, we say, yeah, he, he definitely has talent, but the fact that he was plucked when he was and he was – and his skills were honed when they were to such an extent that the 10,000 hours that Gladwell um, quantifies as being able to make you an expert in something, spending 10,000 hours doing something, A-Rod qualifies as an expert. We would agree with that, right? Of course. So then what yeah. makes his expertise tainted, whereas Moe's is totally pure? You know, that, Outliers is, is one of my favorite books that I've ever read. Um, I actually based a lot of the course that I teach in, in Shoe University on the studies that Malcolm Gladwell picks up. And he's got a couple of really great things in there. Um, but when, in really delving into the essence of that book, what, what the book sort of says is there really is very little 
focus on talent. Very few people are really built with overarching talent, and it's the talent that, that drives them. Usually what you have is a little bit more than everybody else that just gets focused on and honed for 10,000 hours. And so what you're looking at is a little bit of talent, but since it was a little bit more than their peer group when they were younger and a whole lot of practice. So that's clearly A-Rod. A-Rod clearly had some more talent than his. I don't think if you look probably back to his class, I mean, within a certain threshold, he may, he may be more athletically talented, but he didn't become A-Rod, have the ability to look at a fastball at 98 miles an hour and hit it because of his natural talent. He right. literally spent 10,000 hours. I mean, you have to. You just can't get to any level right. of professional athleticism unless you're going to put in that level of hours. By the way, just as a side point, you should know that A-Rod's birthday is in September, which only goes along with Gladwell's whole theory about baseball players. But that's another And and, and that could be it, exactly. It could be that he was just, he stood out from his his peers at the time. But what what else, you know, what's interesting about what the book does go into, and he speaks about this later when when he goes to the example of Bill Joy and other people, Mm -hmm. is that, and even the ones with the the guys from uh, Wachtell and, um, the concept is that if you have a real love for something, the goal, the purpose is to spend your life doing it and you build an expertise. And here's the piece that really got me. And if you want to see, by the way, there's a great, when you check out his Charlie Rose interview where he speaks about the book and he brings it out even more there. But the idea is you do what you love and you do it a lot and you go off and you have faith. This is what he says. You have faith that will bring you good things. Meaning any great person says, here's the story. I love the violin. I love teaching. I love speaking. I love writing. I love whatever I'm doing, playing baseball. I love it. And you know what? I love it so much, and I'm going to work on it. And I'm going to work on it even when it's not feeling good. Even mm-hmm. when, like the Beatles. The Beatles played right. 12-hour sets in Hamburg. I bet you, you know, most of those sets, they, they liked it enough to know that I want to spend my time doing it. But here's the end. The end is that it's for the thing itself that I love. I, I enjoy the work. I enjoyed the toil. It's not the goal. It's not the bottom line. It's the toil itself that, that gives me enjoyment. Now, this is an inherently Jewish concept. Jew, Judaism is built on the concept that there is no bottom line. Hmm. None. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist in mitzvahs. It doesn't exist in money. It doesn't exist in being honored. It doesn't exist with rabbis. With, there is no one in the world except for God that can say, here is my bottom line, and if you get this, you get an A. Like that's, Even the whole concept of book of life, book of death, that's all been Americanized. There's no, it's not like you get into a book. Each person has their own personal judgment and how you look at your life it's how your personal book is you get into your own personal book there's no like if i've been in with the good guys and i'm like you know b b plus and above and you're cool you know under b like whatever it's, it's not like that at all and judaism is against that completely hmm. you 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 focus on the work you focus on your growth you focus on what you got to do every day and do it to the best of your ability where A-Rod goes wrong is that he loses the focus on the work. Mm. It's not about trying to beat the pitcher. Good. It's not about enjoying the game. It's about the contracts. It's about winning. It's about the box score. It's, it's, it's about his stats. Mm. And it's always been about his stats because that's how he came out. He came out as an entity. And when you're an entity, you've got to perform for your shareholders. 
the reason why you take performance-enhancing drugs, even though if you're any athlete you know, it'll destroy the game. That is for sure. Anytime anyone's taking performance-enhancing drugs, the whole game gets destroyed because you can't allow. It's not fair. It's the guy who wants to do the right thing. If, 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 you're, if you're, you're duped up on, on chemicals, that's allowing you to swing faster. Like, right. why do it for? Because right. it wasn't a game that he loved. He was loving the bottom line. He was a mercenary. And exactly. What Malcolm Gladwell was bringing out on that book, which is, Oh, hey, this Hamalacha. You gotta love the work. Right. You gotta enjoy. And even if you lose, you gotta, you know, Judaism isn't about, we like losing. Like, we don't like it, but we, we appreciate failure. You know, Shalom Malach said, Shevli Yipotan the Kutam. He didn't say, you may, you may fall. He said, no, no, no. You have no chance right. at being a topic unless you are prepared to try to fall, to get back up again, you know, to brush yourself off. It's okay. And the, the, the ability to fail, you know, you know, the only thing that hates the ability to fail is our image. Mm. Three-year-olds don't care about failing. They right. love failing. Right. They'll fail all day. Don't grab onto a toy from an eight-year-old, get beaten in the head, and they'll just, you know, sometimes you ever watch them, it's like you're looking and going, like, I'm my three-year-old. Like, he thought my six-year-old, right? And like, the six-year-old will be playing a toy. And I'm like, he's bigger. He's stronger. He has no he has no problem hitting you straight in the head. My fear will come by, light the toy, and pick it up and run. <laughs> and I'm like, are you crazy? And I can see it on his face. It's not even the toy that he wants. He just wants he wants what he wants. Right. He doesn't care about failing. He wants it. Two weeks ago so, at Cham- two, sorry, but two weeks ago at Champions Gate, because I know you'll appreciate this and this speaks to your point. Two weeks ago at Champions Gate, there were Eli talks, and Rabbi Josh Joseph, who's a mutual friend of ours, spoke about failure to thrive, and I mean failure with a comma to thrive, and how people should thrive or should strive, I should say, to fail, because failure should not be seen in the negative. Failure should be seen in the positive. The same way when you work out in the gym and I work out at the gym, we do enough push-ups that we want to push ourselves to failure because that means we have become stronger. And instead of failure being seen as a negative, we can look at it as a source of strength. And it's exactly. A, it's a phenomenal concept. And the reason why we can do that is because you believe that your body has enough strength that when you fail, it will grow back stronger. Right. Because it's internal. It's personal. Right. But if you were doing a contest in front of the people, it would change the game. If we believe that we ourselves are good enough, we don't need anyone else telling us we're good enough. I don't need a stat or a grade or an honor or a look for somebody else to justify my existence. If I can bring it right back internally and believe in the God within me, I've got enough in there to last me a lifetime, then I'll push myself, like you just said, exactly right, I'll, the push-ups of life. Because right. I know that once I fail, I'll, I'll, I'll get right back up. Mm-hmm. And that mentality is Elul. Elul is about it's God's trying to bring us back to who we are. And saying, stop trying to be somebody else. Stop trying to run after what the world wants you to run after. This is about being the true you. Were you the you that you could have been this year? I mean, the goal of the L period is to be able to introspect and go, was I? Like, forget the excuses. Was I really that? Was I that mom or that dad? Mm. Was I that? Was I, or, or is it because I was tired or lazy or embarrassed or, or the whole list of stuff that I was 
fighting after. And I spent most of my day running after that net worth because I wanted the five friends around me to think that I'm, you know, successful. Mm. Is that what my whole life has become, collecting toys to prove my significance or, you know, collecting clothes, whatever the, the area may be? Is that or, or is there more in me that I've never brought out? That's what this is a period about. Rosh Hashanah is not about God. Right. Rosh Hashanah is about us. Right. It's God pushing us and saying, I, you could be more. You really could be more. And when you see it that way, it, it's, it's an exciting process. It's an exciting month. It's, 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 it's invigorating. You, you may fail. You may be embarrassed. You may, you know, may, we may not want to think of these things, but this reality check really prevents us, I think, from being more of the Mariano than the A-Rod in our own lives. I think that another quote from the book speaks to that as well. And I am, I'm underlining as I go, I got to tell you, this is like bringing back all of my masters in English training. I'm really doing a close reading of this book. He writes, even Mozart, the greatest music, musical prodigy of all time, couldn't hit his stride until he had his 10,000 hours in. Practice isn't the thing you do once you're good. It's the thing you do that makes you good. And I think that that also speaks to Elul. This is not, we're not going through the motions when we go to shul and we sit there and we dive in and we listen to the show for blowing. We're not going through the motions. We are becoming good. Exactly. Yeah, and that's exactly right. This is the process. Right. It, it, it's not exactly, you, you hit it, per, you, you said it per, yeah, we, we think like we're prepping for something. Right. No, this is it. It's this process of trying to figure it out and trying to get better and, and grappling with who we am, who we are. That is the process of greatness. It's because it, there's no destination. People always ask, like, then what is the secret to success? And, and like, as if, like, there's, like, a potion <laughs> you're going to get to at the end of the road. Like, as if, like, there's, like, a line, like, there's an equation, and it's E equals MC squared. Just say it, and then you apply it into your life, and it'll be great. It's, it's a process. It's a way. That's all it is. It's a way. There's a way to do things. Right. The, the, you know, there, I do this a lot in my class. You, if you, ask, you know, sometimes you see people in areas that fail and come back. And there are other people that you can never get it right. People like right. you, know, you see people they can't get they can't make money left. So let's say not that money is in any way the, the testament to true greatness, but it's a, it's an area that um that allows for us to see greatness. Right. For some so people, for many people, it's a quantifier, but it is not the quantifier. So you see people sometimes that are just can't make it. Then you see somebody else that made all this money and lost it, right. and then made it back, mm. and you're like. What? Like one time, like how did you do it twice? Right. And when you and I, and I sit with a lot of these people to really understand them because this is like my passion. And they look at me, they're like, "What? What happened? Like, what are you? Like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm mm. the same guy. I didn't make money because I fell backwards into it. Of course, there's circumstantial, you know, you know, uh, opportunity. But this is how I think. This is how I take risks. This is how I try. This is how I push. And yeah, I had it, and I lost it, but I just applied it to a new circumstance, and I had it again. And that's really what I think true greatness is all about. It's understanding the process, the process of growth, of being you and not being, not selling out to being what people think you are about. Like you said, going to the gym and you're pushing yourself and asking yourself, Did I, can I, is this the best pitch I can throw, or am I just coming up with an excuse? Because hmm. I've been doing this job for 20 years. Is this still right. the best pitch, or am I just 
kvetching about my boss. You're listening to That's Life here on the Nachum Siegel Network. I'm Miriam Wallach. I'm joined by Charlie Harari. We're talking about L. We're talking about A-Rod. I promise you we're talking about pitching, and it all really, really makes sense. And I, I know, Charlie, you probably looked at the text when I first sent it to you, and you're like, is she really serious? But it makes <laughs> it makes sense, doesn't it? <laughs> totally. I mean, when you sent me it, I said, A-Rod and L. I'm like, am I doing chew for A-Rod? I'm just <laughs> dominating for him. Is that what she's getting at? Like, no. Did she have, like, to heal him? No, but, I, but I'll tell you, that <laughs> brings me to my next great. question. I have to, uh, you know, let's let's put this Let's imagine for a second that A-Rod, A-Rod admits he is wrong. Now, the wrong the wrong, or that he did wrong or whatever it is. And by the way, I honestly do not think that would happen at this point. You believe, you believe enough of your own hype and you believe the lies that you've been spreading, they become your truths. So do I think that A-Rod can really walk back from this? I, I honestly don't. But let's, let's look at him for a second. Is there a way... Is there a way, or would there have been a way, for A-Rod to make himself right, to right his wrongs, in both in real life and in the eyes of the public? So, you know, that's a great question, and and I always think about this. I always, whenever something, whenever there's a scandal, I always ask myself, when did that person come back? Mm -hmm. You know, I was watching the other day. Um, you know, different. They had this, this this documentary and different types of people, and I, some of them really just went down in, in flames. And I wondered to myself, just look, how long does it take for the world to forgive? Now, the problem is that many times in entertainment and sports is clearly part of that. The, the timeline for forgiveness is very short. Right. As long as you're performing. Remember, and I mentioned Kobe Bryant earlier. Kobe Bryant was was accused of rape. Like, that's bad news. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. he changes his number, and he comes back to the Lakers, and, like, no one even knows what I'm talking about if I say it now. Because at the end of the day, unfortunately, we see, the, or the, 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 at least the American market sees their entertainers as entertainers. We like to get in their business and think like they're heroes, but deep down we know they're not personal heroes. They're just, they're athletes. They, right. They, they're, some of them may be, but like that's not what the contract is for. The contract isn't like inspire me. The mm-hmm. contract is play ball, hit a hit, hit a baseball as fast as you can so that I can cheer more for your pinstripes than for you. You know what I'm saying? Right. So usually it's it's very short. Meaning if the guys who have all been, you know, the rest of the t- rest of the guys that got busted for this, those are 50 game suspensions. They'll be in. They'll be back for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. There's no question in my mind that when they come back from the playoffs, a couple of good games, and it's all under, it's water under a bridge. Exactly. No one thinks twice. It's like Michael Vick. Exactly. And, and you like you like thing. that I made that reference, by the way. Of course. <laughs> it shows your breath. Shows I'm you crazy. Know, shows I'm crazy. Go on. Yeah. Because, but it, it bothers me because it just takes sports and shows each other that it's not about the game. It's 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 really about my team winning. And it's really about my guys. It's like, um, let me remember Latrell Sprewell. Remember sure. Latrell Sprewell? Oh, my word. So, yes. So he, he chokes his coach, right. and then he comes to the Knicks. Yeah. Like, and we're like, what? Like, oh, it's okay. He has a Knicks jersey now. Like, no, it's okay. He got that. Like, you know, like, maybe the coach's neck was there. And right. He like, you got to hate you when know, that happens. Yeah. It's such cognitive dissonance. You know what I'm saying? Like, we just, we can't get it out of our way. So that's why they just keep on doing it. But. To me, A Rod, the, the game right now with A Rod, I think this this whole appeal thing is money. But mm. at the end of the day, the only chance he really has, I think, is if he waits it out, comes back and dominates, or 
if he realizes that he's wrong, he's really remorseful, which the latter is highly unlikely. But that's been the problem that we're, and that's something that I've seen again and again. What's really great about our country is that we really are good people. I believe that in my core. We're raised with that. We go off a little bit, but the, the ethic, the, the value system of the larger Judeo-Christian world is one of forgiveness. We're built this way. We're trained as little kids when you have this ethic that there is a concept called forgiveness. You can come back. Right. It's not over, which is such a healthy way. This is, by the way, a very – this is, was created by a, this is a Jewish concept, which is brand new to the world when we introduced it, that there is a way back that you, you, even if you mess up, you never mess up, which is such an original idea that we now take for granted, which is what this time period is all about. But there's one condition. Mm -hmm. You have to really want to come back. You can't play me twice. That's mm -hmm. why I think this whole Anthony Weiner thing is a disaster. Ugh. It's because it's not that he did it. It's that he did it. He said he was sorry. Right. And then he kept on doing it. Right. Like, come on. Like, right. I got it. But, you know, and, and I can see even in the, red, in, in, in the chatter when it first came out, the people were trying to, like, collect the dots. Like, wait a second, when was the second girl? Was she before? And everyone's trying to figure out when it was. Right. Why? It's because if she was before the apology, then, okay, we can digest it. Exactly. Because we so badly want him to be. But if he, if she was after the apology, like, did he say, I'm sorry to the American public? And then when that, like, we, that, to us, we can't handle. We can't handle dishonesty. It, it, it grates at us. One of the things that I think that, that def not defines, but is part of their downfall, both Wiener and A-Rod, but I think more so A-Rod, is, is the fact that he did not, and this, is, again, is a Jewish concept, Rav, is that no matter how big you get, you have, you have the 17 agents, you have this, you have that, you have everything. But there has to be someone who speaks to your honesty. There has to be someone who speaks to your values. And when you act in a way which is devoid of values, that is when you are destined for failure and not a good failure. It is a failure you cannot recover from. It is a, it is a slap in the face. It is a fall from grace that you can never recover from. And I think that that's why Arod is not coming back in the same way that Wiener is not going to come back, is that Wiener's I'm sorry meant nothing in light of the evidence, which showed that it was empty, which showed that it had no value, it had no substance. And so the same thing is going to come out with A-Rod, is that A-Rod, even if he does apologize, who cares? The man has no soul. Well, I, I, I agree. I, I just think the American public will be more willing to forgive depending on how he comes back, at what mm. he says. If he gets up and says, it's not my fault, I didn't do it, um, and then he gets found by whatever the, 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 the panel is that he's guilty, he's done. If he gets up and says, whatever, you know, it, it, everyone does it. But if he gets up and says, even if it's contrived, which I hope it's not, but if he gets up and really is remorseful, I think the public will give him uh, a more generous look. I think that we want, and, and I'm not saying this is right. I'm saying that we well, look want at Pettit. so badly. Look at Pettit. Pettit apologized. Pettit, exactly. Pettit apologized. It was heartfelt. He was surrounded by his friends. 
Who doesn't love Andy Pettit? Exactly. And that's what it is. We want our heroes to be good people. Right. And when they're not, we're so quick to um, really, in our hearts, try to give them as much as they can before we say, you know what, I can't deal with you anymore. And A-Rod, what A-Rod could have done, and the reason why A-Rod's getting killed is because he brought other guys in. Mm, right. if, if A-Rod would have came out right away and said, you know what, this is my bad. This, is, this, was the, this was the culture of baseball five years ago. Like, what do you want from us? Like, we're not bad people. Like, we just wanted to stay competitive. And looking back, it was the worst decision of my life, and I'm sorry. To this. And right. he really showed remorse. Right. I think maybe the suspension would have been less. But even so, like you said earlier, more importantly, he would have saved face. Mm-hmm. And this, by the way, is an, another enormous LO principle, which is we think that people aren't as forgiving as they really are. We think that we have all these problems with other people. We get, we're, we're holding grudges. We're not sure. We, we don't tell people certain things. And we don't realize that if we would just suck it up, pick right. up the phone and say, by the way, three years ago, two years ago, last week, I did this. Let me tell you what I was thinking. It was stupid. I really didn't think you'd care, or I really was worried about somebody, or whatever it is, but I, I, I really wasn't trying. Because I don't think Arod was trying to he, – he, he was like we said earlier, it was all about Arod. Right. But the culture also led to this, to be fair to him. Agreed. Agreed. This, this was what they did. And because he had to be A-Rod. Now, had he been a Mariano, he would have said, listen, that's the culture. It is what it is. I'm not going to ruin my personal ethic for it. But because he was all that, he needed to increase the bottom line. So he went for it. I understand that. You come out and say, this is the way it was. Am I perfect? I'm not perfect. Am I human? Absolutely. Do I fail? Of course I fail. And I failed, and I'm embarrassed. And I want to tell the fans, especially to the kids who have my jersey, I'm sorry. You say that, I don't know. The world says, what do you, uh, the world, you, know, you punish the guy, but do we hate him? But the more you hold back, and this is what happens to people, and this is why Elo is such a great mom. Yep, we're going to have to wrap it up, Charlie, so give me that takeaway. Give me that last-minute takeaway. The, the last-minute takeaway is the more you realize how open people are to, to your forgiveness, and that includes people and God, the more you're able to stop and go, you know what, I'm not perfect. Here's what, what I did right and wrong this year. But I'm honest. And when you're mm-hmm. honest about your imperfections, what happens is everybody crumbles. Right. Everyone that has a grudge says, you're right. God right. himself says, oh, you're right, I built you human. But once you, you to get to that honesty, you got to get back to a three-year-old and care about mm-hmm. you and not your image. Excellent, excellent takeaway. Charlie Harari, as always, you are a phenomenal guest and an even better host. I look forward to hearing your messages throughout. El, I know that you'll be on, please God, with Nahum throughout the month once we get back from Israel. So I look forward to hearing from you and the restart of Book of Life when the new season begins after the Yom Tovim. Charlie, as always, a pleasure. Thank you, Miriam. It's great to be on your show. Thanks so much, Charlie. Take care. Take care. You've been listening to That's Life here on the Nahum Siegel Network. Wow. I have not felt this spiritually uplifted in a very, very, very long time. Let's go through the left, the lineup for the rest of the day so you know what, what not to miss. Why can't I speak right now? We have a full afternoon of programming, including something to talk about with Randy Wartelski. Randy's interview today is of app designer Rusty Brick. And no, 
Rusty Brick is not a person. It is not a first name nor a last name. It is an incredible show and a very exciting look into the world of technology. Randy tries out Google Glass. It is going to be video streamed right after this show is over, so you're going to want to stay logged on to our website. Don't miss it. She is at the home office of Rusty Brick in Muncie. We thank David, as always, for engineering that program. You don't want to miss it. Followed by Ellie Hagler at 5 o'clock for the brand-new episode of the Jewish Reaction. Spin class will begin again next week when Michael Fragan comes back from hiatus. Nachum hosts the Thursday Night Extravaganza, followed at 8 p.m. by Stunt Show, hosted by Mayor Furtick, Book of Life with Charlie Harari. And then we wrap up the day with Charlie Burnhout tomorrow, 6 to 9 a.m., J.M. in the a.m., Nachum hosts live from Jersey City. And please, God, the weekly update with Malcolm Holmline returns. Do not miss it. An encore of Table for Two will follow that at 9 a.m. Check our website for the full, full programming schedule. This show will be rebroadcast Sunday at 1 p.m. on NachumSiegel.com. My thanks to David. My thanks to Charlie. Today, I leave you with Comeback by the Maccabees. They are covering that song by Moshav. I think I'm going to be singing this for at least the next two weeks, definitely while I get on the plane back to New York next Thursday night. Amir Sashem, I look forward to speaking to you from Jerusalem. That's life, everybody. Bye, guys. Ba-da-da-da-da-da. 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 